0: the truth should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid maybe maybe not maybe fuck yourself you're all a bunch of fucking assholes you know why you don't have the guts to be what you want to be you need people like me you need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say that's the bad guy clearly don't know who you're talking to so let me clue you in I am not in danger, Skyler, I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot and you think that of me? No, I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I am your host, J.L. Covan. It is 1256 p.m. Eastern on September 5th in the year of our Lord, 2022. It's Labor Day 2022, folks. The year is over, two-thirds done now. Where is the time going on this very fast march to the grave that I call life? Um, I am talking to you right now from Sophie Tell, and which sounds like a, an island off the coast of some country where celebrities go. But it's a hotel chain, and it's a very nice hotel. I got a, a superior master room, which sounds like um, in slave times, you would, be, you would both be able to bed the slaves and the wives of inferior slave owners. So superior master room. Um, I couldn't quite afford the superior master race suite, but I did get the superior master room with King bed. Um, because me and the righteous girlfriend are in uh, Manhattan for a couple days. We go back tomorrow morning for the U S open, our annual trip now to the U S open. And uh, for a couple of, you know, the first time we were there in 2019, we had j- no, that's not right. Oh no. Is this our first time? No, I don't think we've ever, I think the two times, no, I'm creating false memories. When I lived in Manhattan, it was annoying enough to just take the train back late. But then I was like, we're not adding an extra layer going back to like trying to catch some late train to Jersey. So instead we could treat it like a little holiday weekend. So we show up in New York with all the tourists and, uh, you know, live in Manhattan for a couple of days as if we have money. And then uh, we go back to New Jersey like losers on Tuesday morning to continue our, our day jobs and, uh, and our lives. But, um, Sophie tell decided to stay here. We're right next to the Harvard club and the Algonquin. It's a very sort of historic ritzy weird stretch, but boy, oh boy, the West side of Manhattan is a real filthy piece of shit. Um, you know, all the, all the ports of entry into the city, you know, port authority, Penn station, the surrounding areas. Um, that's really where Manhattan feels like a big piece of shit compared to before the pandemic. Those places were always shitty, but the fact that they feel like 10 times dirtier and shittier now is... uh I think that, and maybe that's probably the problem in terms of tourism and crime, like the the idea that New York City sucks now is because it's like other parts of the city just seem very normal and regular like they always have been, but then like the places where everybody comes into seem way dirtier than before, and maybe that's just me having lived in Jersey for a couple of years now in a quiet town where I look around and go, oh god, Manhattan's so fucking gross. Maybe it was always that way, and I've just... I now live the high life in Bloomfield, New Jersey. And, uh, when I'm, when I deign to, you know, mingle with the, with the riffraff near Penn station or Port Authority, it just, I'm, I'm more refined now. I don't know, but getting this out to you during a quick break, um, in the trip so that you have it tomorrow morning. So, because in case, in case the day job heats up tomorrow, you know, it would be a delayed episode. So I figured this way you get the episode, uh, on time. So whoop-dee-doo, um, a couple of reviews of stuff, none too positive. So maybe that will be funny. Um, a recap of the U S open and, and just to start off with some, some politics, my Instagram, you know, I posted, a, a one minute TikTok where I suggest it's a good bit but I thought to myself do I sit on this for like a stand up bit or do I put it on social media will it be stale but my gist the gist of the of the bit and it's on my YouTube and my TikTok and Instagram so you can find it wherever but the gist is basically it's a joke but but that why do so many republicans still think Trump won the election and my argument was because so many republican states are underfunded Theocracies and ignorant cesspools. That maybe just like when we send T-shirts to foreign countries um, from like losing Super Bowl teams, it's like, oh, well, we made these hundred thousand Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl four years in a row. Can we send these to places that need clothing? I thought maybe because so many of these Republican states, not all, but but many of them. Hi, Mississippi. Um, do you think do you think Republican rule has 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 failed Mississippi yet? Do you think, do you think being like the dumbest, most unhealthy state and now with fucking water issues, of course in there, I, there, I I don't know the demographics of Mississippi exactly, but I'm guessing that the large city with a black mayor, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, um, is probably the urban center. And I use urban in the comedy club sense, meaning black people. Um, what a shock that they would have water issues and pipe issues and infrastructure issues. It's almost, it's almost like if you're a Democrat, Republicans don't care. And if you're a black Democrat, Republicans actively despise you. But uh, no, it's, it's good. It's, it's a, it's a pro-life state where everybody is fucking dying of diabetes and has horrible education statistics and everything. So it's, it's, it's working out very well. Um, Maybe they really adopt the, you know, the beatitudes, you know, blessed are the Blessed are the fat fucks, for they sh- blessed are the fat, should we do a Republican Beatitudes, like if Jesus were a Republican, like, ble- blessed are the obese, for they shall feast in heaven, blessed are the bigoted, for they shall be treated, <laughs> for they shall be treated as princes in the kingdom of heaven, blessed are the pro-life, uh, hypocrites, for they shall find everlasting life in heaven. Blessed are the gun owners, for they shall be able to shoot their loads in heaven. Blessed are blessed are the election deniers, for they shall be voted into the kingdom of God. Blessed are the... We need two more folks. Uh, <laughs> uh, blessed are the... Well, you get the idea. There you go. The Republican Beatitudes, everybody. Clap, clap, clap. Please clap, Jeb Bush voice. Um... So the joke, you know, the joke was like, maybe they got, they all got their Trump one t-shirts in 2020, you know, all the backward states with, with that underfund everything. Maybe they got their Trump one t-shirts and they're all walking around going, he won. I got the t-shirt that says so motherfucker, praise Jesus and curse you Allah. We are a Christian nation. And if you don't respect that, I will not turn the other cheek. I will shoot you in the face as Jesus instructed me to peace unto you, brother uh, you know, so, and then of course that, that got the algorithm going. Um, I just put it out there because I was like, I don't want to sit on this joke. So I thought, well, we got social media. This is, this is a good avenue for this. And of course it triggered some folks. You get a lot of comments like, you mean the lib hell holes, like Philly, New York, and Los Angeles and Chicago. And I was like, right, right. All the hell holes you know why cities get covered? This might be my next TikTok. You know why cities get covered? Why you know so much about what's going on in cities? Because people fucking care. Because we have art and culture and sports teams, and we fucking generate so much income for the fucking shithole countries that don't do shit. The Kentuckys of the world, the Mississippi's of the world—they're the ones getting all the. Fu- they they contribute nothing to the federal the federal uh, bank account, if you will, and they take a hell of a lot more. Um, you know, but 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 they're they're white Christians. So they're not takers. They're actually Americans entitled to that. Now, if they were poor black people in inner cities, they're actually uh, ruining the country, right, Republicans. So when somebody writes like Los Angeles and Chicago, like they're spitting out these lines, I'm like, nobody even knows what goes on in your town, because it's fucking irrelevant. It's irrelevant to the fucking country. You MAGA hillbilly piece of shit, or you ignorant suburban person whose entire community is based on white flight. Uh, that's that's why nobody nobody reports that your fucking kids OD'd on heroin or fentanyl um, unless it happens in the aggregate. Nobody cares about what's happening in your town. Nobody cares about what you do. So it doesn't get reported on the fucking news. It doesn't get reported on the news that you your town is, is a piece of shit because nobody cares. So you hear what's happening in the cities and it's good for ratings to be like four more people killed in New York. And yet when you look at per capita murder rates, it'll be like, no, no. Pro-gun states just don't have as many people uh, outside of obviously Florida and Texas. But you'll be like, yeah, like Tennessee, places in Tennessee will have much higher murder rates or gun violence rates than New York or or, or other big cities. But nobody gives a fuck what's going on in your town or city if you don't live in one of the big ones. And then that feeds the resentment. And then you get into this catch-22 of like, well, if I say nobody cares about your town, then they'll become resentful and support Trump. Oh, but if I say that your town's the best, it's all going to suddenly give those assholes humility, and they'll walk around going, "You know, what, now that they've shown us respect, we'll show them respect." No, they'll go, "That's right, my town is real America." You need to move more like us, you fucking heathens in the cities. So there's no, there's no win. There's no like, hey, if I show you that if I respect you, no. So it's the truth is, we don't know a lot about what's going on in some of the lesser states that contribute less because. People don't care. So it gets undercovered. But when you look at statistics, You'll see, oh, your education rates in many of these places suck. Oh, your health is terrible in a lot of these great patriotic American red states. Oh, gun violence is actually worse in almost all the pro-gun states? That's weird because I thought it only happened in Chicago and Philly and New York. Turns out we just have 13 people in our state, but when two of them get murdered, that's actually a higher gun rate than the state with 20 million people where people want to live because there's jobs and culture and entertainment and fun and other people who aren't fucking living like 19th century trolls. So then yeah, you hear more news about those places and places like Tucker Carlson and uh, Newsmax and OAN, they love to amplify that shit and you're a fucking dumb loser who loves hearing that stuff. So that's why you think the bad liberal cities are doing so poorly. Um, but these people are absolutely fucking delusional now and it's and I just finished Tim Miller's book which was really good really funny um, why we did it. Um, It's the conclusion he comes to is that at some point, some of these people are so locked into a cult, they cannot be they. And I've been saying this on Twitter that it's the evidence is clear the these these assholes have to be overwhelmed at the ballot plain and simple, they're not going to believe the ballot is real. But basically, you have a choice. You were either, before anything else, it's very, Trump is very much like the, like a fat orange version of the Night King in the, in the Game of Thrones. You're either against him or you're for the destruction of what this country is, period. And I don't care the logic. I don't care how backwards you are. If you think, if you think Joe Biden is like the fucking, is Satan, you can't be helped. You're, you can't be helped. We just have to, we have to overwhelm you for many years at the ballot until you pass away. And we have to hope that you either didn't procreate a lot or that some of your kids end up meeting people who are normal. And eventually, over generations, we, we, we erase the shit stain that Trump and his followers are, period. Like, that's, that's, that's the, and that's why it's a long, hard fight. It's not a, we did it in 20, no, we have to do it every every year or every two years, every time there's votes. We have to remember, and as I said on Twitter, a lot of the things the Democrats did uh were never given credit for like a lot of the things that people care about that they just assumed were part of the fabric now of America pro pro uh you know abortion rights being the most obvious people who were pro pro you know i i read a stat that said like 70% of new registrants to vote in Kansas when that referendum came up were democrat women were women voting for like women registering as democrats and that's heartening, of course, and some of them might have been young women, of course, who were like, oh, I, I'm 19, I've never voted, I've got to do it now. But I guarantee you some of them were older women, middle-aged or, or 20s, 30s, who just thought they could coast along and maybe argue about taxes. Like, I don't like the Democrats, the Democrats are too woke. I'm annoyed by pronouns. Well, when they start coming for your fucking uterus, you realize that, oh, wait, I need to give the Democrats more credit for defending the big things they It, it is very Nathan jessup from from a few good men. you know it is uh, you you live under the blanket of security provide and then question the manner in which I provide it. The Democrats have been holding the line on these things that have become so held that people took them for granted. Now you realize that you need to give Democrats credit for the big things they protect for you. And then once, you know, once you feel like your uterus and your children's safety at schools and maybe the the, the the children being separated at the border and things like that, once all those big ticket items, the climate, maybe when we're not getting apocalyptic news every other week on the climate, once those things are settled, then you can bitch about your tax rate and the price of gas, and whether or not you should have pronouns in your email uh, address block, then you can argue about those. But I think finally people have realized, because I I was stunned. I was just stunned, like, oh, all these new people registering to vote. And it just shows you, to me, James Carville said, it's the economy, stupid. That's his famous phrase from the the 92 campaign with Clinton. If I were a political advisor right now, I would say, it's selfishness, stupid. That's what people seem to care about, unfortunately, and they took for granted things like like choice abortion rights. They took for granted that so they didn't think that was they didn't have to worry about that their their biggest worry was my tax rate or the price of gas in my car or me 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 me, but not me like my uterus me but me like I'm annoyed by woke people so I'm gonna vote for Trump because me 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 I'm annoyed me 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 me. Well, now you can't think that way and it's refreshing, but it also reminds you that selfishness is still the, is still the motivating factor behind everybody's, uh, actions. It seems to the majority of people's actions. Now, sometimes that selfishness is just your personal feelings or annoyances. Sometimes it's critical to your bodily autonomy, but it's always selfishness. And I think this, at least Trump and the Supreme court have opened the eyes of many people to say, Oh. You can still be selfish, but just recognize what you need to be selfish about just got a whole lot bigger and more important in your life than what you thought it was. So pronouns can wait, uh, pussy before pronouns, right? Is that the <laughs> is that the bumper sticker now for selfish people who've decided to abandon the Republican Party? But it's a uh, you know, but there's a there's a large faction of Trump supporters who are who are. Out of their fucking mind. And I will say it again. I'm sorry. I don't believe that good people roll with Trump. Sorry. I don't. I don't think it means you're uh, irredeemable if you ever voted for him, obviously. And I know that's probably too much of a stretch for some people, but uh, I can't speak to everyone's individual circumstance. So I can't condemn 100%. But if you still roll with Trump, I condemn you 100%. Period. Period it's, it's, that's, that's easy for me. And I don't mean condemn your soul. That's not for me to decide, but you're, you're a bad person. Like I, like I don't, I don't want to roll with you or be around you or have conversations with you. If you, uh, the only thing I'll take is if you happen to be in a comedy club in a city where I'm performing, um, I'll make you laugh. And then that's the end of our exchange. Um, but I, it is, it is no good. Um, these are no, these are not good people. It's, it's, you can't, The idea of if you want to support Trump at this point, it's, it's not about, and I said this, I think to my mom and to the righteous girlfriend, but it's, you know, it's that joke when I say to people, why do you hate Biden? Oh, he's a fucking No, no, you're brainwashed. You can say to me, you don't think his policies are right. I can disagree with you on that. But like, if you really have a policy based disagreement with Joe Biden, fine. That's what politics are for. You, you think lower taxes are the answer. I can think you're a fucking idiot, but okay. You think we shouldn't be prioritizing climate over over business? Okay, I think you're a selfish piece of shit, but not like a piece of shit like, like I think you're irredeemable. More. I think you are flawed and, and wrong. Um, but we all are in our own ways. But if you support Trump, like I always laugh when people go, well, oh, Joe Biden's a fucking idiot. I go, no, he's not. Like everybody says he's a nice guy. That's the thing. You have to think of him as a bad person. Otherwise, you realize you're lacking in the policy department. Whereas when I say, oh, you, you hate Trump, what? so why can't I hate Biden? I go, one of the reasons so many people like Trump is because he's an asshole. He's like an anti-hero. He's like why we root for a Walter White or a Saul Goodman or a Tony Soprano or a whoever. Like we may not be rooting, rooting for them, like, oh, they're a good person, but we, they excite us. They make us happy. Trump is an anti-hero to these people. He is not a hero like they're confusing like Jesus Christ who's a you know a hero Martin Luther King Jr. a hero um with uh anti-hero like you're rooting for him cuz you find him exciting and you like that he like talks shit but incorporated in that anti-hero embodiment is that he is an asshole and you like that he's an asshole that I can res- I can respect that honesty because I, there are assholes I like there are athletes who are trolls and who are douchebags, and I go, I kind of. it's kind of fun to watch him be a troll. WWF wrestling, which is obviously not real life, but like some of the most popular wrestlers of all time, like The Rock, when he was a bad guy, incredibly entertaining and compelling. It's one of the reasons I think he's one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, because he built off of that sort of hilarious anti-hero persona in wrestling. Trump is the same thing, except it matters. It matters because he's a fucking politician and a president. So when people are like, well, you you talk all the shit, I go, but admit it, he is an asshole. I'm not saying you can't like that about him. I'm saying you're if you're if you're going to act like he's not an asshole, and then you have to equate Joe Biden as some kind of asshole as well when he's not, just to make yourself feel better, it's ridiculous. But there are there are people out there who you know I'm getting messages on Instagram. I, I, I oh you're a you, you you I need to educate you because you think it's all this and 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 they're they're running over things that have been like discussed disproved 2 years ago and they have no fuck they they don't even have an idea but they don't want to have an idea. And that's where we're at. So the only answer is to overwhelm at the ballot. Period. There is no other answer. There are millions of complete lost causes in this country and the majority of them are not good people. And I love that like Nikki Haley got on Fox News and was like, what Joe Biden said was, was worse than Hillary's deplorables comment. He's basically saying that most of us are not good people. And George Conway, who did help get Trump elected, but has been an ardent fighter against him since some breaking point during the term, just retweeted that and said, because you are bad people, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. That's it. Like sometimes you're just not good people anymore. Like they you know, once again, I've talked enough about religion and forgiveness on this podcast. I'll I'll leave your personal redemption and faith and and if there is a god, what what he does to you, I will leave that in his or or her or her hands. But that, is that a funny joke that Mother Nature is like doing all the work for God? Like that's that's a typical relationship of God is a guy who's just standing up there and Mother Nature is like making the earth work. <laughs> like Mother Nature is just doing the day-to-day, like climate and photosynthesis and carbon and all that. And God's just like, oh, honey, could you handle that? Anyway, that's a thought for another time. Clean humor. Um, but, yeah, sometimes you're just not a good person. Like, this idea that we have to bend over backwards to be like, we have to respect all opinions and all... No. And this coming from the group that respects almost no one or anything, that, that they demand this kind of like genteel respect, fuck you. Um, it's it's just, it's 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 incredible we've gotten to this point where it's just like, no, we have a faction of the country that is anti the country, and they, they won't even see or hear the good things Joe Biden is doing that many of them will benefit from, because to them... The only thing that matters is Trump and beating Democrats, and, and, and the core ethic behind that is Democrats are bad, rego- like they are bad. And if you're saying to me, "Well, they say MAGA Republicans are bad," yes, yes, there's no Democratic equivalent of um, January sixth. There's no Democratic equivalent of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, or Donald Trump. Matt Gates, they don't exist. Oh, somebody's back from her manicure. It's the righteous g f please be quiet. This is a recording studio. Thank you. I'm just getting through my politics discussion. please be quiet. thank you Silence in the in the in the master the master bedroom. the supermaster. I was telling them the supermaster. I said I could didn't have quite enough money to afford the super master race suite, so we had to settle in the super master bedroom. okay. She just gave a huh. That's about as good as I get, guys. That's why I talk to you. That at least I got a verbal, uh, verbal recognition that a joke had been made, which is which is usually I get more of a stifled smile. Anyway, the uh, the point is, MAGA Republicans are bad. That's like like at this point, it's sort of like saying, I think Nazis don't deserve benefit of the doubt. Now, am I calling them Nazis? No. The damage they've done is not nearly equivalent, of course, because they're probably dumber and fatter than Nazis. I think if more of them were in shape and smart, they would either be Nazis or they would be doing something different with their lives because go- they'd be going, wait, I'm not a dumb fuck. Why am I listening to Trump and my crazy grandfather? But the point being... um. they're not good people. Like the people that support Donald Trump. They're just not they're not they're not good people. Like wake up. Okay. A a fifth of the country is dog shit. (laughs) And that's and like I've always said, there's plenty of racists on the left. It's just not part of it's not it's not a core pillar of the political party. You know, they're they're they, you know, I've, I've said I've I've heard racist things in my own family. The one racist thing I've never heard is I'm voting for Trump. (laughs) um so that's your politics corner guys if you haven't already please go check out my patreon patreon patreon.com slash jlcauvin. a lot of good stuff and i meet like a lot of good stuff so if uh if you haven't tried it yet give it a try a lot of exclusive videos mcconnell and pence series my game of thrones recaps uh are going up the the episode three recap i haven't even seen episode three yet The Sofitel doesn't have HBO, which is a real, that's a real Sofitel that it's not an exclusive hotel. Pun. Um, A joke I said at breakfast today, uh, the Righteous Girlfriend likes puns, and I said, I'm going to say on stage, I call my girlfriend Big Pun because she likes puns, and she's a 400 pound Puerto Rican. And that almost got a laugh because the Righteous Girlfriend is not a 400 pound Puerto Rican. She's white um and and not 400 (laughs) Uh, (laughs) okay nobody needs to hear from you on this one thank you you have an open invite to do a bonus episode which the fans on patreon are clamoring for so there you go speak and speak when spoken to rgf during this magical hour of podcasting so the point is, if you know a Republican that votes for Trump, stop talking to them, shun them. <laughs> uh, no, I don't give a fuck what you do. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it is this is our country. Um, and, and, and whenever somebody like people that the cynics, the lazy cynics will try to do that you know, both sides do it. Listen to yourself, jail. You're you're condemning these people you're offering no well, the off ramps. It's been seven years of offering an off ramp. At what point do you say? Yeah, it's it's over now. You know, like it's over for these people morally, ethically, as far as politics or 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 good society uh, goes. Um, It's been seven years. He came down talking about Mexicans are rapists. Um, he's now talking about how Joe Biden is an enemy of the state. So what, at what point do you get off the Trump train? Um, they, they're, they're not good people. Like they can couch it in pro-life. They can couch it in whatever issues they want. Anybody in your life that couches it in any, at this point, if they're not, if they haven't found an ethical off ramp to stop supporting Donald Trump, then they're not good people. They like this. They like what he represents. They can they can say whatever they think makes them seem like less pieces of shit. But now they are officially fecal matter, and uh, so be it. You know, um, it's not ag- not against the law to be a piece of shit, but uh, it is against the law of common sense to act like they're not pieces of shit. Um, so, that's my take. Right now it's fun getting people writing to me like you think somebody wrote they were like um, you know they were mentioning the oh so you wouldn't be suspicious if Biden were up a million votes and then at 3am magically a bunch of votes arrive and I can't educate people on this but it's very simple if you are somebody who got lost and is listening to this podcast and loves Trump it's very simple. The red mirage was predicted weeks before because of mail-in ballots versus in-person voting. Donald Trump was telling all of his people to vote in person. They all thought vaccines would make them gay. So they were like, absolutely, I'm going in person without a mask um, and I'm going to vote in person. And Trump, the animal that he is, was very well aware that he would be ahead in many states on in-person voting because he was telling people not to trust mail-in ballots and he was telling them, go, go without a mask. Go make out with a 90-year-old election worker. Maybe she'll die. And you vote in person and we'll be way up. And then he was going to use that strategy to go, um, hey, look, I'm way up. (laughs) And this was predicted by all regular news agencies, maybe Fox and OAN and Newsmax. never Quiet in the studio, please. Thank you. Never said anything. So the bad news, sorry, quick edit there. The bad news agencies probably maybe didn't say anything about the red mirage. But the point is, everybody was reporting that there will be a big push for Trump voters early on by design by Trump. And then when mail-in ballots come in, and by the way, several purple and red states with Republican governors had rules that says you cannot start counting mail-in ballots until until polls close. So further designed to give people dumb people the impression that oh we're way up it was by design republicans were like our people are angry and fucking dumb as fuck so what we'll do is we'll feed them we're up look at us we're up what's happening why are we losing this lead This has never happened. This is illegitimate. And I have two years, two years later, people in my DMS on Instagram sending me this stuff like they're dropping truth bombs on me like you don't think that would be weird. I guess I would think it was weird if I didn't read a fucking paper and wasn't aware of basic math and basic procedures during the election. I guess it would be weird if I was ignorant of all that shit. Um, But to do it two years later means you're willfully ignorant. You haven't "Quote unquote," done your research. You were too busy researching whether the vaccines, you know, with your with your associate's degree and your fucking meth lab, you were too busy uh, investigating and doing your own research on whether Moderna and Pfizer had the vaccines right. To read a fucking article from somewhere else other than the Epic Times as to why uh, maybe votes came in the way they did, and then somebody else was saying to me, "What was the other the other line?" Um, oh, they said the not, you know, uh, a lot of the Republicans I know don't think January 6th was good. Oh, sir. Can you stop typing for a second? I'd like to applaud you for acknowledging that the violent coup attempt by a bunch of hillbilly trash and racists from the suburbs, uh, was bad. Okay. I don't know if Anderson Cooper has already decided who his 2022 hero of the year is, but I'd like to make a late submission for you. Okay, continue typing your response on Instagram. Thank you, sir. But he was like, but this this one-sided January 6th commission is a joke. So I wrote back, uh, Democrats and several Republicans wanted a bipartisan commission in the style of 9-11. Republicans rejected that. Why did they reject that? Because they're aware that if an objective bipartisan panel comes to the same conclusions, that there was a coup attempt, that it was long in the making, that Donald Trump was central to it, that he basically exhibited complete dereliction of duty. Well, then that bipartisan commission will have the imprimatur of legitimacy, and they already know that it was a coup attempt. They don't want that legitimized, so they want it to be bipart. They want it to be partisan looking, so they rejected the bipartisan commission, which was the initial idea of Democrats and some Republicans. It didn't get enough votes, and there's only one answer to why that is. But this person, I don't know what they replied on Instagram. Probably nothing yet. They're probably looking up an article on fucking um, KKK Net Daily to find uh, what the truth is. And it's just one of those things where I go, yeah, there's no answer to that. They didn't want to bipartisan. part. Like, are you not aware? Are you not aware that there was an attempt to get a bipartisan commission like the 9-11 commission? So so why would that have been rejected? Exactly. See the silence there? That's what I got. And, and from there. You know that's the only thing you can get. You're not going to get thoughtful discourse from people because it's it's a, it's a religion at this point, and I don't say that to denigrate religion, obviously, but but at this point, it's a fucking it's a faith based cult. It it data has nothing to do with anything. It's it, it's it's Scientology with more violence and less Tom Cruise. Oh, that's good. MAGA is Scientology with more violence and less Tom Cruise. Oh, man, I thought I really hit bars with the with the Republican Beatitudes, but I think we just hit a new level. So guys, that's been your politics take for the day. Did I tell you already to check out my Patreon? I think I did. I may have aborted that pro-choice, but I may have uh, stopped that message halfway. But yeah, check out the Patreon. Check out Making Podcasts Great Again. Um, Oh, and this this Thursday, I hope it's Thursday. Um, I will be po- posting Better Call Trump. We filmed it. My Patreon people have seen uh, the picture of me as, uh, you know, Better Call Trump. Cinnabon, t- Cinnabon shirt, making Cinnabon great again hat blonde mustache. It's basically a black and white and color. It's a parody of the finale of Better Call Saul, where Trump is running from the law. What I'm going to ask everybody to do, and I know you guys are pretty bad at following instructions because I'm still under 200 ratings on iTunes and that's free. I always think that the free things will be the things that I get the most cooperation with. But you guys, uh, you guys are nothing if not consistent. Um, But I want people at noon on Thursday, don't re—you can retweet me, but I almost don't want you to because my account is so cursed by the algorithm and the shadow banning. I just want every fan of mine to basically go get the Better Call Trump link off of my YouTube. It'll be the most recent video and share it with friends. Share it on your preferred social media site. Now I know like thirteen of you will do this, and I have like over a thousand listeners on this. I have like ten thousand listeners on Making Podcasts Great Again. If everybody on those shows literally just shared the link at noon, it would probably go viral and probably be trending. You won't, and that's okay, but I'm just throwing it out there in case you're motivated. But it's going to be, I think it's going to be really funny. It's really, we tried to film it in the style, like a Vince Gilligan show with the different angles, and I'm just very proud of it. And I'm only telling you now, because now it's so soon to coming out that I don't fear uh, somebody stealing the idea, but that should be up Thursday. I should see a first edit tonight. We filmed it uh, all morning yesterday right before I left for the US Open. So, just some fun free things to look forward to and if you're still listening, uh, you I mean I have more show guys by the way as you can tell. So this isn't the this isn't the part where you go, "Okay, I heard Jale's rant, turn off, don't want to support what he does, blah blah blah." Um, there's more content after this public service announcement for me. But um, York, Pennsylvania october 14th still no ticket link they told me a month and a half ago they were like we need you and your features info asap because they want to start promoting i shit you not that was in july the link is still not up in september so i'm like uh or as butthead might say uh uh, york pennsylvania stupid um i don't know what that means they want to promote quickly and then literally more than half the time from when I was booked for the show to the show has elapsed and it's still not up on their website. So not sure what promoting quickly means. Not afraid of abusing the English language to harass a performer. Um, And then I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which I found out from several of my Detroit people. They don't listen to this podcast because I got texts and emails like, hey, when are you going to be Bubba? And I was like, yeah, I've been announcing that repeatedly. I didn't say that. I, I just whispered it to myself. But I was like, yeah, I've been uh, okay. You, so it was in the newsletter. It's been on the podcast. Exactly what kind of fan are you, for Christ's sake? Ann Arbor, Michigan, November 11th and 12th. Big shows. Want Ah, What a fucking... I want to sell those out. Who the fuck do I think I am? I want to have a respectable showing. Is that so hard, my loyal fans? Can I... I, I my goal... Some comics go, I want to sell out to get a bonus. Mine is, I want to leave the city I perform in not hanging my head in shame because of how much of a failure um, my gigs were. That's, I set the bar uh, much lower, and I probably still won't meet that. But the point is, those are the only two gigs on the schedule right now. This week is where I finally just start to go John Wick in terms of my demands for the special. Um it's just it's 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 beyond time now um all the optimism is drained again so i need to see that second edit i need the fucking contract that's that's just that's just the way it is bruce hornsby um yeah i just need to see that stuff because i'm starting to like unravel again because um you know it's going to be 11 months old most of the material not all of it but most of the material will be 11 months old this month um i'm gonna have a one year, when on october 24th 2022 i'm gonna have a one-year birthday party for my special and it's just gonna be an empty chair like clint eastwood with a little birthday cake and a one in it please tell me she's laughing nope just got a smile out of the righteous girlfriend worst ed mcmahon ever uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's that's what i'm gonna do on october 24th if i still don't have a special out i'm gonna get a cupcake and put a one candle in it and go and it'll be in front of an empty chair, and it will just say "Happy birthday to my special that's never coming out." I'm immensely proud of it, and I'm surprised at how happy I am with the second version. But but I am, so I want it out. I want it out somewhere, whether it's on fucking to be freebie, fuck me, cookie, blah blah, blah blah dot net, wherever wherever it goes. I want it out because it deserves to be out. It's 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 a really good product. I'm very proud of it, and I want to move on from it. If, if not move on from comedy entirely, at least move on from half blackface, um, which is never what you want to feel when it's the greatest when the greatest work of your nineteen year career gets to the point where you're like, "Can we get this the fuck over with? You, that, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel like an apex. That feels like, that feels like you're falling down the mountain. You reached the, the, you got near the peak, and then an avalanche happened, and you're buried under under algorithm snow. Al Snow, by the way, that was his full name, the wrestler in WWF. Algorithm Snow was his full name. <laughs> okay, guys, U.S. Open recap and then three reviews for you of three, three products that I thought were, me- three different movies that I thought were okay and I can make each of them funny in my own right. But U.S. Open, very simple recap. We go yesterday. I'm rooting for Daniil Medvedev, the number one seed, number one ranked player. Uh, I don't let Ukrainian-Russian politics get in the way of who I root for in tennis. Um, we've been a fan of Medvedev ever since he played the heel in 2019. He won the U.S. Open last year. A real talented, rangy guy. Um, the first, you know, seemed like the guy who's going to finally break up the big three when he beat uh, Djokovic at the U.S. Open when he was going for uh, for all the titles. Or was that 2020? I don't even know what year. What year is it, guys? Anyway, um, he loses to Nicholas. Kyrgios. Um I always want to call him Kyrgios Eleison, like the Mr. Mr. song. Kyrgios, on this road that I must travel. Bam, bam. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's if you love tennis and weird Australian players and 80s music, you've come to the right podcast. Um, not afraid of losing all his fans, but... Uh, I was rooting for him. The crowd really didn't show proper respect, in my opinion, to Medvedev as a defending champion. Um, I saw Medvedev lose his temper once, which was which I always love to see. Um, I identify that. I feel seen when I see an athlete lose their temper. Um, the crowd was rooting for Kyrios, but uh, really bad manners in the row in front, in the section in front of us. You know this this uh, Indian family. Okay, that's what they were just 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 saying um, I'm just identifying them the family I don't know why I said they were Indian but um, they were and uh, you know match point just getting up and walking through the row it's like uh, I'm tall but I'm not that tall could you not do that and they kept getting up and down at bad times and I was like uh, is this your first is this your first US Open tennis rodeo because don't do that but you know, whatever the family in front of me kept bumping their heads on my knees because I'm very tall. And then I tried to make a joke to the kid. He looked like a, like a teenager, like a, like six, like 17 year old. He like bumped his head and I go, ah, sorry. Very tall. Um, and it got no response. And I was like, that's what's happening with young people. I see it with my nephew. When Thor and Iron Man are the only comedy that you consume, you start to lose you you lose part of the humor soul of this country. Um, make comedy great again. That's what I say. Uh, make comedy just happen again. Can we make comedy happen again? Because the problem is half the comedians in the world are too busy bitching and moaning and trying to be offensive to prove that they're not woke. That's not con- that's not funny, though. So you've lost half the comedians are fighting a war instead of just being funny. Um, and the other half are looking for clapter. And then in movies, I just don't remember the last comedy I saw in the theater like big tent comedy because you, you know 80s you had the, the the Bill Murray Harold Ramis Ivan Reitman kind of uh, blockbuster comedies in the 90s you had the Farrelly brothers making humongous comedies uh, iconic comedies you know in the 70s you had Mel Brooks and Woody Allen and in the 2000s you even had Judd Apatow as like he was kind of the heir to that they were different but they were hugely successful comedies he made a ton of big comedies and now I don't know if it's streaming or if it's not profitable enough, but we're really, I feel like conditioning you know, culture to just sort of think comedy is some shit that you distract yourself with in 30 second generic bites on TikTok. And that's bad. Like think like name me. I'm I'm serious. And and, and not if you can name like a funny movie. I've seen funny but but what's the in the last like five to six years? Can you name, and, and this isn't, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's just not coming to me right now. Can you name to me both a good comedy in the theater that was also like a big hit? Like people might go, uh, Bridesmaids? I'm like, isn't Bridesmaids like 2009? <laughs> like like that, that tells you something that we've like outsourced humor into just like comic relief in comic book movies. And sometimes they are funny, but I think what I said, I only watched one episode of She-Hulk, never going back to that monstrosity. I'm not referring to She-Hulk as monstrosity. I find I find She-Hulk and She-Hulk change attractive as a 6'7 uh, man of height, person of height. I, I respect She-Hulk, but she's CGI. She's not real. And um, in like 10 years, though, I'll probably be able to wear a mask and have sex with She-Hulk, right? Like a VR mask. That's probably coming soon. Um, but the point is... Um, that show, just that first episode of what they call humor, <laughs> not funny. And I just thought to myself, wow, we need to give a little more credit to Ro- okay, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth. Um, because I think it was equally their talent that was making the, the lines really funny. You know, I think we need like there was good writing there for sure. But I think also, it does take, in many cases, a gifted actor to really deliver comedy in a, in a quality way. And I think that's what She-Hulk exposed to me. I was like, oh, if, if you have people who can't really bring the chops comedically, then, then sometimes witty lines, good lines can seem mediocre. And flip side, you know, so-so lines can be delivered really, really well when it's talent like Downey Jr. and and, and Hemsworth doing it. Anyway, I'm just nervous for comedy and movies. I just don't, I don't, I haven't seen a comedy this, this year in the theater for sure. I haven't seen a ton of movies in the theater, but we're going somewhat regularly. Um, I am trying to see this movie funny pages, but that's like a 24. That's not going to be, that's like a, that, that movie's like, you know, two weeks in that they did like a, a concurrent, um, what do you call it on demand and theater release? So they're not really looking for big bucks in the theater, um, but what was the last comedy? Good Boys or something was many years ago. I remember Chris Lambert recommended it to me and I enjoyed that. I saw that in the theater. It had the great Jacob Tremblay in it, uh, the kid from Room. Uh, but I don't think that was like a huge hit. But even if we want to call that a hit, I think that movie is like five years ago now. Um, I'm just saying it's a, it's a weird. Every comedy now has to be some sort of Pete Davidson slice of life. Like, hey, it's funny, but it's also just a real slice of life about somebody who we don't give a fuck about, but all of a sudden really care about. All I'm going to say, and I think I may have said it last week, I'm going to maybe say this fact every time. Uh, Elvis, which was just on HBO, divisive movie, I loved it. I can see why somebody wouldn't love it, but I loved it. Um, Elvis, as far as I know, has one biopic about him. And right now Pete Davidson has one as well and one in a series in the works based on his life. And I go, has anybody who's contributed less been examined more? He's like a MAGA voter, like the New York Times can't stop jerking off with profiles of like, what does a real MAGA voter think of Joe Biden's speech? Are we losing the MAGA voters? And to me, it's like, who gives a fuck at this point? Of course, we cared at some point, but when it was too late. Um, But P. Davidson, it's like, okay, so he had King of Staten Island, which I thought was fine. Um, Very long, very long movie. Um, And then he has, there's like a series being made based on his life. And I go, is this like an inception? Like a man whose life never had any inherent interesting value? But if we keep making movies and shows about it does it all of a sudden become a a self-produced energy source like from from nothing it's like his career is like the big bang it's like from nothing all of a sudden this burst of energy and we had a universe (laughs) but it was like but before then it was nothing right yeah but but it just it became something we decided it was something you know in the in the book of Genesis, right? And on the first day, the Lord said, let there be Pete Davidson doing absolutely nothing of value. And on the second day, they said, let's talk a lot about Pete Davidson. (laughs) Anyway, guys, also Harry Styles, I'm saying it right now, overrated. Righteous Girlfriend was trying to defend Harry Styles. And I tried to bring up the other men that she finds attractive. And She's like, no, Harry Styles. is, And I was like, he's fine. But he's one of those guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm going all in right now, guys. Harry Styles, good singer, has some talent. Let's just get that out of the way. Nice looking guy, sure. But he does a lot of funky shit. And it, I'm going to borrow something from Corolla. He often says about Jonathan Waters, the director, He's his movies suck, but he's so into all his accoutrement of like weird mustache, quirky quirky vocal delivery, fancy suits that it creates this other persona that sort of becomes enmeshed where people talk about his work but they're really just kind of like enamored with his weird quirky character and they like allow that to be considered part of his body of work and they're like oh he's great. It's like no he's not. Anyway, you take that. Now Harry Styles is is a good-looking person but he ain't Hemsworth, Depp in his prime. That's a tip of the That's a tip of the uh, a tip of the cap and nine scarves to the righteous girlfriend. Um, he he ain't in that league. So he's got to do like. Look, I have weird hair and a funky mustache and I'm wearing women's clothing. I'm interesting, and that makes my decent handsomeness feel irresistibly sexy and it's like nah eh, eh, it's too much and i know you've fooled everybody but you know fashion fashion is is fashion is the fireworks and sprinkles of clothing of of it's it's just something to distract people who it's just not happening upstairs um fashion is you all right rgf you feel personally attacked she's a big fan of sprinkles a lot of people are fans of sprinkles I don't like sprinkles. I like hot fudge on ice cream because it's something. It's bi- I get some vanilla ice cream, some hot fudge. I've got a biracial substantive sundae. Sprinkles are just like, they glitter. Sprinkles are glitter. The glitter of the ice cream world. It it's generally does nothing and it's kind of annoying. Hey, babe. Fireworks. Um, they scare Cookie and I stand with Cookie. Um, so I'm anti-fireworks. <laughs> I've occasionally seen fireworks I like. Um, you know, when Katy Perry had them busting out of her nipples in a video, that was, I, that, I was like, oh, fireworks are all right. Um, we are getting nothing from Ed McMahon today, folks. You, I just wish you could appreciate the steely glaze that I'm getting from my sidekick. So sad. Um, what was I talking about? U.S. Open fireworks, uh, sprinkles, Harry Styles. Yeah. So it's just, I just think he's covering. You know, and, and fa- oh, fashion. Right. My thing with fashion is, um, yesterday's piece of shit item becomes all of a sudden fashionable if the right influencer or magazine says so. Remember those gladiator sandals? Gen- genuinely horrific piece of clothing, and I remember seeing like one person wearing them, and, and I, I remember hearing so many women go, "Oh my God, those things are fucking disgusting." And then all of a sudden, I think it was like the summer of 2017 or 2015 or 2018. One summer, after I saw so many women wearing them, and I was like, "Those are horrible looking. Genuinely, they objectively horrible, and yet we have enough people." So weak that as long as Anna Wintour or or Tom Ford or some some person who's way less. By the way, Tom Ford, as I said in my review of House of Gucci, uh, major respect to that guy. I had no idea that that guy basically saved an iconic fashion brand. I think that's just a that's just an awesome story. If you if you like if you like phenoms doing their thing, regardless of the field, uh, Tom Ford saving Gucci was pretty fucking cool in that movie. And I had no idea. And I was like, Oh, well, that's why Tom Ford is Tom Ford. That's pretty cool. Now. I respect it. Even though I think fashion is mostly stupid. I respect I respect your individual story, Mr. Tom Ford. Um, but the uh, and he was from Texas, right? Tom Ford's from Texas. That's got to be extra. Te- that's he, he's got to get a movie made about him you come up in texas as a fashion dude and then you save an iconic brand and become an iconic brand in and of yourself i think that's pretty cool um or in vanessa bayer's miley cyrus show voice and it's also pretty cool um <laughs> uh, i gotta take her to lunch soon she's getting real mad with me not vanessa bayer righteous girlfriend but the uh But those gladiator sandals were everywhere. And I said, well, how did they go from objectively hideous to like 10% of the women in Manhattan this summer walking around looking like fucking, uh, you know, Maximus? Um, Crocs, another example. We had all agreed that Crocs were worthless pieces of shit. It looked like you had murdered Qbert, punched holes in his body, and then worn him as footwear. And then all of a sudden, and I see it with more younger people and, and you know, like I restaurant workers, people who need, and I'm not denying that they're, maybe they are comfortable, but Crocs were dead as they deserve to be. Then all of a sudden I see kids and restaurant people just wearing Crocs. And I was like, what in the fuck just happened? It went from ridiculing middle-aged white people wearing them to then I see like black teenagers wearing them around town. And I go, well, did some rapper or influencer get paid a shit ton of money to wear Crocs? And that we are once again, we are all weak to something as human beings. We were just like, Oh, Crocs. Oh, I'll wear Crocs. Really? You'll wear Crocs. So that's why this summer, um, before the summer officially ends, although it ends today, I guess, I'm not, don't wear white after Labor Day unless you're going to a MAGA rally. Do they have off white clan hoods for MAGA people after Labor Day? We're going to tweet that after this show. The algorithm loves it when I get political. Um, But I'm going to invent Gladiator Crocs for for summer 2023. Gladiator Crocs. I give you the ugliest fucking shoes in the history of the world, and I will make $500 million in sales in two months as long as Anna Wintour puts on her sunglasses and goes, I love Gladiator Crocs for this summer. I got to get Gladiator Crocs. You get Kim Kardashian to wear it, the perfect merger, right, of of influential white whores and black pop culture. You get her to start endorsing it with whatever um, 10th man she starts dating from the NBA. And then all of a sudden you you got a business empire and then you sell that stock ASAP before people realize they're wearing the ugliest shoes ever fucking made. Now, guys, back to the US Open. I'm rooting for Medvedev. And then there's this woman in front of us. Really annoying, rooting for Curios, and she's like stands up and like snaps her fingers and does like a little dance when he win when he wins a game, and she just stands up randomly and goes, "Let's go, Nicholas," and I was like, "Is she rooting for?" And I said, "Does she know him?" It had the energy of like, she's either a coach or a friend. Like it felt like that, or a family friend. It had that kind of vibe, to be honest. And I was like, if that's the case, I'm okay with it. But I'd rather err on the side of hating her. So I just seethe in my seat at this one. And then I noticed though, her nails, her nail polish is blue and yellow. And I was like, oh, those are Ukraine's colors. What if she's against Medvedev because he's Russian? And I said, I guess I could allow that. That would be understandable. And then I paused and I said, No, still not okay. (laughs) Um, And then I feel like she might have known him. Righteous girlfriend said, why would she be up where we're sitting? And I said, excuse me, these are fine seats that I paid for. How dare you? These are respectable seats at the US Open second week. Um, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) um, But then Kyrgios won in four sets. And when he aced to win the match, she jumped up and said, oh, my God. And I said, I hate you. I didn't, I just thought it. I didn't say it, but I said, I hate, oh my God. It's the fourth round. Shut the, I mean, but Medvedev is the number one player. But I was like, I just was like, I curse you, ma'am. And then in front of me, the cup, the the family in front of me, the family that bumps their heads into my knees together, stays together, um, the Jumbotron got to us. And I, the single most, Oscar Wilde Mark Twain quote of mine ever. I hope it ends up in a book of quotations one day. Is the world has become a jumbotron. Now I said that, I believe, on Too Big to Fail, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been thoughts and prayers. I might have actually said it on both. Um, but that is something I've looked at for at least a decade. I've had a bit on that, where I just go, we used to be a society where you just said. Oh, for for the five minutes while at a sporting event, we can act like fucking idiots. The dance cam, Uh, the kiss cam, Uh, we're throwing t-shirts, give me a fucking t-shirt, motherfucker, yeah, like all these fucking just borderline special needs behaviors that we engage in when we're on the jumbotron at a sporting event, but it's good. It's almost like the purge for your stupidity, you know? Uh, For these 10 minutes, we will allow people to ignore societal conventions and good behavior. Give me a T-shirt. I'll fucking kill you if if the person next to me catches it. Okay. Fast forward. We are all in a jumbotron. And I still can't get over when I see middle-aged. I'm sorry. I can't get excited when the camera's on me. I know. Maybe it's because I'm a famous person. And maybe I want more privacy at this point in my life not less. Okay, that's just the struggle I deal with as somebody who had let's be honest, 27 minutes of fame. Fuck you, Andy Warhol. I think I had almost double the average 15 minutes of fame. But instead, uh everybody's just like there's a uh, the camera, Ooh, ah, and this like 55 and the kid was right, re- I respected the kid. I think he was he was embarrassed, not to the point where he was going like, to curse out his parents, but he was properly embarrassed. He was like, God, my dad's dancing on this fucking camera. But we're standing behind them, and everybody just goes nuts when the cameraman shows up. Oh, ah! And I was on the Jumbotron briefly. In the back, I was behind the 57-year-old bald man dancing, and I just had a look of mild repulsion. Just kind of my disdainful, you know, as a Sebastian Maniscalco might say, aren't you embarrassed? I don't do Jumbotron. No, I'm too busy sitting, watching the game, eating a hot dog. You're going to get up and dance for strangers with your son sitting there. Aren't you embarrassed? (laughs) and the righteous girlfriend is looking at me eating cheetos thinking aren't you embarrassed and yes yes i am um and that was basically it and then we left there was i guess an evening match but these it's so tiring and it was so humid yesterday that we were like we're out but one other highlight from the u.s open we got our our souvenir cups did you wash those out by the way can you wash those out please yeah thank you Jeez, that's union work. I'm not allowed to do that. Um, We get these frozen honey deuces, which we discovered several years ago. They're not available at all the bars. Everybody gets the regular honey deuce, which to me is a substandard piece of shit beverage. The frozen honey deuce is a magical concoction. It's the same ingredients, but it's just like, it's like a Slurpee. It's like an alcoholic Slurpee. And i love them they're uh, they're moderately priced at 22 dollars a piece (laughs) what's up guys we're at club u.s open i'll never forget i've been to like a club three times in my fucking life and i remember once getting into one and just i bought a gin and tonic for myself and i put a 20 down on the bar and the bartender looked at me and said 22 now this is like 15 years ago (laughs) 22 i was like what And I know that's never a good look in a club. You're always supposed to act like uh, money ain't a thing, motherfucker. What'd you say, 22? Oh, 22. I thought you said 202. I'll put these Benjamins away and give you an itty bitty 20 and a five. But I was like, what? It was like 22. And I was like, okay, never coming back here again. By here, I meant clubs. But I was just like, $22 for a gin and tonic? Who the fuck do you think you are? But that's what clubs prey on. They prey on insecure men trying to appease um, defiant, but deep down inside also insecure women that they're ballers. Um, And, uh, you know, one time I did get bottle service. They said, you want a table? And I was like, sure. And then I stole the table. I said, you think I'm paying $500 for a bottle of vodka and a table and not keeping the table? Are you out of your mind? Uh, So... The club cum dumpster is uh, probably still looking for a table now. That's what they, uh, no, I'm just going. to That was what, that was, it was just called cum because you can't have a, a, a club with more than uh, one word in the title or else it's not cool. All that's false, guys. I never stole a table from a club named cum or cum dumpster. That's a lie. I would never do that, especially when I was a prosecutor. How bad would that look? Bronx prosecutor steals table from cum. (laughs) I thought when he said you got to buy a table that I owned the table. What the fuck? That's called a contract, bro. I passed the bar, you piece of shit. And then they would have labeled me. uh, What would my name been in the tabloids? DA dumpster. (laughs) That's what the Daily News and Post would have called me. (laughs) And the post would have hated me because it's like, he's in the Bronx. That's a borough with lots of blacks and Latinos. No wonder they're all going free. D.A. dumpster. And then I could have parlayed that into a book and a reality show deal and would have had more success in entertainment than I do currently. Isn't that crazy, guys? Isn't it crazy how the world works? Anyway, when we ordered our frozen honey deuces, the official beverage of the U.S. Open, um. A woman was trying to get a souvenir cup because she bought it from a bar, not from one of the official Gray Goose stands that has the souvenir cup, um, which lists all the U.S. Open winners on the cup. They're running out of room, by the way. They are definitely running out of room. There's too many people winning U.S. Opens every year, and this uh, white woman and I, I had just been finished telling the righteous girlfriend. I said, "The U.S. Open. It definitely feels very snobby walking around." And she was like, "Oh yeah." it's very, it's a very snobby environment. It just, it just, I was like, I can't imagine going to like a fucking golf event or something, how gross that must feel. But it feels very snobby. And on cue, we're online for our honey deuces, frozen, not the regular ones, fuck those things. And a white woman goes, can I get one of those cups? Like she had just bought a beverage from a bar and I guess was disappointed to see that it wasn't in a souvenir cup. And they go, oh no, we can't do that. Like you've got to buy it from here. And to me, I was like, you look like an entitled white lady with some money, buy an extra one if you want the cup so bad. And she was just like, oh. And I thought, okay, that's that's a normal reaction, like, oh, I can't switch it or I can't buy, like I can't just get one of the cups. I just bought this beverage, but it's got you know, for inventory purposes and whatnot, it's gotta be lined up. But then she stormed off. She didn't curse or, or say anything, but she stormed off, but I mean like in a huff. It felt like a TV show. And we all had a good laugh at her expense. Me, the righteous girlfriend, the black woman, and the Latino woman behind behind the bar. We all had a diverse, multiracial, racial multi-ethnic laugh at the expense of the haughty white woman. And I thought that was a, that was a beautiful coming together moment. And so, and so instructive on where we are politically in this country. Donald Trump is, in, she's not the, he's not the Kraken, he's the Karen. And I think we all just need to look at him as, you know, like the Stay puff Marshmallow Man of white women. That's what he is. And he's just trying to destroy our country and we all have to look at him, shun him and eventually laugh at him. Now guys, three reviews and then we're off to get some, hopefully some spinach dip and some salmon. Oh, I'd, I'd like to. We can go somewhere else though. I just got to save room for a burger, at prime burger. How's your burger? Dumb and dumber guys, look it up. 1994, great movie. One of those comedies that was released in theaters and made money and made a generation of comedians enjoy themselves. Three things to review, guys. I watched three movies on streaming platforms. Three different streaming platforms. How about, nope, that's a lie. That's a lie. Two different platforms. The first thing I watched was a movie called Pleasure on Showtime. I watched the unrated theatrical version. Now, this movie was uh, uh, an official uh, movie of the Cannes Film Festival in 2020 and an official entrance into the Sundance Film Festival in 2021. So it really made the rounds at the prestigious film festivals. I remember reading a review of it and I think it had a check mark next to it in the New York Times review earlier this year as a, uh, critics choice or critics pick. And it's a hardcore look at the pornography industry. It's about this woman who comes from Sweden who goes by the name of Bella Cherry and she wants to become a porn star and she's 19 years old. Um, turns out she does have a relationship at least with her mother, if not her entire family, that seems normal. She's lied to them. Um, which is a real catch-22, right? Um, you, you have a good enough relationship with your parents to lie to them about doing porn, but not a good enough relationship to not do porn. Um, so she goes out, but it, sex work is work. Sex work is work. Sex work is work. It's not good work. <laughs> um, I mean, it's good work. Like if you consider the only good thing about work money, uh, it's a, it can be good work. It can also be terrible work. Obviously, sometimes, sometimes you just end up doing it for the love of the craft and uh, not loving it that much. Anyway, this movie starts with a she. She she arrives from Sweden, and I don't find her. I, I'm looking at her, going, I mean, there's features there. She turns out like with makeup and stuff. She's a very beautiful woman, like a very pretty woman. Um, not necessarily my type. Um, I don't. I don't ne- generally go for um, tall small breasted super inked up women um but you know everybody's got a kink and her first scene um, and i remember reading in the review that several of the actors were real porn uh actors because the the level of intimacy and nudity and you know erections and let me just say the intimacy coordinator on this film had their work cut out for them okay you know there's moments where they cut right like Oh, she's gonna give him a hand job. Oh, they cut it off right when her hand was three millimeters from the erect dick. You don't see, and you haven't seen this many erections. Like, watch the movie *Pleasure*. If if you feel like *Euphoria* is too hardcore a movie, my recommendation: the doctor, the podcast doctor, prescribes to you. Watch. Pleasure, the unedited version on Showtime On Demand, then watch Euphoria. And they would be like, oh, my God, this is such quaint family entertainment, this show Euphoria. Uh, kids, come on in. We're all going to enjoy Euphoria after dinner. Um, I've just watched Pleasure, and I realize that Euphoria is really just good, wholesome fun. So your first episode is a guy doing like a, you know, just he's got his boner out of his jeans, and she's uh, going at it. They do some very good realistic uh, facials, not showing it, but like obviously some... Some watered down yogurt gets thrown on this woman's face repeatedly. Um, but it's it's not a bad movie. And I but I hate to say it because I know there'll be people who be like, Well, if you can get over your puritanical sensibilities, it's actually very strong, powerful filmmaking. It's not a bad movie, but it's really hardcore. And the the intro to the movie is like some of this may offend viewers, like and it's not one of these. It didn't feel like a if you're offended, sorry. It felt like no, no, we know what we made, and reasonable people can be offended by uh, the the uh, this movie. <laughs> and but as you're going through the movie, it's it's. I don't want to spoil it in case you watch it, but it, it is it is a I think a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie but it's so provocative that i think sometimes some of the provocativeness of it can like bleed in and be like oh, it's so it's so provocative that i'm giving it credit for being great just for being provocative. but it's a good i mean it's a very this woman it, her performance is good but it's also just you know i rarely call people doing acting brave but this is a pretty brave performance um it's uh I mean there's a scene where she is ba- she's being uh, in a rough video and and I will say this without spoiling anything Uh, If you are listening to this and thinking about getting into the adult film industry, I recommend female directors because there's a scene where she does a bondage video, which is pretty rough, but it's directed by a woman. And it's like her co-stars and crew are very supportive and on hands on and dicks on also. But you you get what I'm saying. And you never felt like she was in like danger, even though this was a rough movie. Like you felt like, oh, okay, you know not what I would want a future daughter to be involved in. But if she was, I'd be like, well, are you are you at least getting choked out with a female director and intimacy coordinator? You are okay, honey, but then I know you're in good hands. Happy birthday. But with the, then she does this other rough movie where it's like a male director and two male co-stars. And it's it's the nightmare, even though it's Quote, consensual, and they agree to everything, quote, and the male co stars appear to be like, hey, are you okay? You know, but she eventually sir It's it's a that more than the graphic nudity, and that scene has graphic nudity as well. And graphic nudity just means penises, but in this case, a lot of erect penises, which you don't see a lot of in mainstream Hollywood cinema anymore. Um, I'll never forget at the New York Sports Club, one guy was walking around with it. It was 15 years ago. It was one of the more jarring things because I, I was like, Hey, I get it. If you want to chub up in the shower, you don't want to, walk, but why are you, you have a full erection, sir. <laughs> it's just like, I don't, this is New York sports club, not New York sports cock. Why are you, you, you realize that, right? And that's why I could never support a gay NFL player. Um <laughs> Oh, the quotes that could be taken out of context from this episode and used to ruin and cancel me. Um, And Ed McMahon just gave... Edna McMahon just gave a smirk of like, yep, I'm not enjoying this. Can we go get something to eat? We're almost done with the episode. Thank you for your patience. Appreciate you. Anywho, um, just 45 more minutes, guys. Um, The... (laughs) So the movie is uh, very rough. I think it's a pretty good movie. And it sort of turns like... (sighs) I if you're going to watch it, I don't want to spoil it. So I will, I will stop talking about plot. But, you know, this is the kind of movie that could you could you could replace with other industries. It's just sort of the the way the porn industry is. But at the by the end of the movie, without it being a judgment freeze, you know, this is there's no judgment in this movie. And I don't really feel like there is. It makes it very difficult for me to look at this movie and go, yeah, for everybody who just tries to act like porn and sex work is just work and hey, we should... Uh, it feels like the kind of work that should be discouraged. Can we can we find some agreement on that? I know everybody's got their story of like, oh, actually, I've had the most wonderful experience. This movie, I think, is sort of... Tries to, I think, tries to be sort of an objective fly on the wall, just here's the journey this person takes. And it's like... Not sure that's a journey you'd you'd want a family member taking or a person you care about taking, regardless of how it turns out economically, uh, socially, emotionally. Like, it's just, it doesn't fit. But it, but on the whole, I say this, if you're not an avid consumer of porn, this will be the most graphic movie you've ever fucking seen by far. It will make Euphoria look like family content. That's not, I don't think I'm exaggerating at all. At the same time, it's not a bad movie. It's probably pretty Pretty solid movie, just as movies go on uh, as objective content, objective and content neutral way uh, as it can be looked at. Then the next movie I watched was Honk for Jesus, which is on Peacock and in theaters with Sterling K. Brown. Who, by the way, at this point is just he's fitness, he's Instagram fitness filter level jacked. Uh, that dude is fucking jacked because um, he has a scene where he takes off his shirt in church. Um, and I'm sure he, he and his agent probably wrote that in like he's looking to get into Marvel movies. So if you could just show that he is as he just walks around naturally as jacked as Thor. You uh, know, I think he looks like he's about 5'8", but still fucking jacked out of his mind. Uh, stars Sterling K. Brown and Regina, Regina, not Regina King. She's the one with the Oscar. Regina Hall is the one I like more. Um, she was the one in Scary Movie. Um, but uh, Regina Hall as his wife. And this is a movie that's like comedy and commentary and satire, but also like serious. And I don't know if it hits the balance for me completely, but it's on if you have Peacock, it's free. So, like, these are these are all like options that you can watch at home uh, for free if you have Showtime or or Peacock. But it's uh, the first half hour, I was actually laughing a, a decent amount. Um, cause he's one of these, you know, he's like a black prosperity gospel millionaire preacher guy. And, but then it turns out there was a sex scandal and you kind of think, oh, this, look at this, this handsome fit man, very charismatic. He was, I guess he was like sleeping with a, had an affair, as you as the movie lear- moves on you realize that you learn that the guy is clearly gay and had various sexual encounters with with young men and it seems that the young men were not illegal it wasn't like they were they were kids but he was basically sort of abusing his his position as a pastor to kind of minister to gay youth who maybe were having conflicted feelings or not knowing exactly what And it, it's it, it's never spelled out, but that's, I think, what was happening. And that's a bit of a spoiler, but that's the whole arc of the movie. Like that gets revealed halfway through, through pieces. And I think the point is not really a plot development so much as just this sort of exposing some hypocrisy and some struggles. But I um I just felt like it didn't, it wasn't consistent enough. Like I felt like I was laughing in parts. And then at the end, there's kind of a, A melding where it's kind of a funny and serious part by Regina Hall, where she's like delivering kind of a monologue about her role in all of this while wearing funny makeup. But it's it's a movie that like the first 40 minutes, I was like, oh, this is like, this is gonna be good. I'm glad I'm watching. It's like, I got a pretty good rating on Rotten Tomatoes, like 84%. So I was like, okay, this is... And then it like got less funny and somewhat dramatic and somewhat kind of like, oh, this guy's kind of a villain. But like, you feel... I don't know how I feel about, but I just, by the end of the movie, I was like, "Eh, I could have skipped it. Like my overall feeling was like, I don't think it's bad, but I could have skipped it. I didn't, I didn't leave feeling like, oh man, I can recommend that movie. That's a, it was just kind of like, meh, started out better. I thought it got serious, but then it, 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 I felt like the balance between comedy and drama, like got lost. Maybe that, maybe that was the point, but I just didn't really care for it overall, but I don't think it was bad. I was just like, that's a movie where I'd be like two and a half stars. B minus. You pick. Overall, it started. It felt like more like an A minus. By the end of it, I was like B minus. So it's not a terrible movie, but um, whereas pleasure, I'd say, is like a B plus. But be warned, (laughs) the plus is for warning. Um, And then the last one I watched, um, which I tried to watch with my nephew and my mom because I thought it was a movie that could bring them together when they were both visiting. uh, and it was timely because it's a documentary on John McEnroe that just went up on Showtime. And I was like, Hey, us open week. Like let's fucking, this is a timely. And I figured my nephew's into sports. Um, my mom is into Irish people that curse a lot. So I thought, boom, this is, this is the documentary that will bring us all together. Eh, I was a little disappointed. I mean, it's, 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 it's decent enough. But it felt like that's my criticism a lot. And I don't know if John McEnroe had a hand in sort of producing this. But man, we, are, we have gotten to this point now where all these documentaries coming out, especially in sports, that are like, that you have a hand in like content curating. Like the first one I remember, like Serena Williams had one on HBO set like maybe five years ago, I think. And I was very interested. I was like, "Oh, I want to watch this." But then it was clear. Like, then I saw after the ep- second episode, I feel like I feel like this is very guarded. Like, the stuff about her dad's health. I was like, th- it was just like clearly one of those things. Like, I don't want to talk about that. And I was like, okay, okay, that's f- perfectly reasonable as a person not my But I'm like, but then what's the value in this documentary? Like, is it just a surface piece where I get to kind of see you at good moments and like we learn that you're a champion and that you have a kid with with your husband and that like and we learn things. But it was like. I I don't really see the value so much in like somebody guarding their own legacy through a documentary where you're expecting to learn more. So that was the first one. But then like everybody loved The Last Dance and it was good, but it was still Jordan had a hand in it. He's still guiding the documentary. It was more open than Jordan has been. But it was still kind of Jordan, I think, guiding the documentary, like what he had final say, which is a sort of dangerous thing when somebody is so brand conscious and, and legacy conscious. I think the Tiger Woods documentary, I don't on HBO, I don't think he had a hand in that. And then, of course, people were like some people were criticizing it for going too hard on him. But I'm like, but maybe that's just what a documentary is when you don't get to curate your own story. Like it was mar- largely complimentary, but he obviously has issues and problems and, and skeletons in his closet. Um, but also it's, I think it was a very praiseworthy documentary in terms of uh, showing how great he is and and who he is as a golfer and whatnot. Um, and then, you know, after that, it's like Magic Johnson had his own. I didn't even bother with on Apple because he produced it. You have the Derek Jeter one, which baseball nostalgia just like the jordan one i think sometimes we confuse like feel good nostalgia with like this is an amazing piece of work it's like no i of course i like seeing some basketball highlights and i loved seeing the yankee highlights from all the best years of my life as a baseball fan but as a documentary i thought it was was fine it was you know i learned a little bit about the basic gist of the documentary was like yes jeter was very guarded and it was by design okay and it learned a little bit about his personal upbringing, which was interesting, but I can obviously relate and don't maybe need to have, you know, with half blackface coming out, the fewer biracial struggle stories that come out, the better for me. And I learned a lot more about his like, you know, private life with his wife and stuff. And she seemed pretty cool, to be honest. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why she wasn't a model with DiCaprio. She seemed to be fucking with it. I, I actually, the biggest piece of respect I had for Jeter was like, oh, you married a model, but she seems actually pretty cool. She doesn't seem like a fucking vapid dipshit so respect tip of the respect cap to Derek Jeter um and then uh now the Lakers have one on Hulu which is like they were so fucking hurt by the funny hilarious awesome series on HBO winning time they're like we need to do our own fucking document we need to set the record straight on how great the Lakers were it's like don't make me start rooting for the Celtics you insecure bitches just let winning time be winning time and be happy that you guys are all rich hall of fame legends Um, But the McEnroe one, I can't tell if he had a hand in it, but it feels like he did because there were certain things like his relationship with Tatum O'Neill that just sort of like disappeared. Like it all of a sudden was just like, and that's the end of the Tatum O'Neill story, right? It was like very, there was like gaping holes where you were like, it was interesting enough from a tennis standpoint, certainly, but I didn't think it was that good, to be honest. Um, The only self-produced documentary that I can recommend in terms of sports, that I can really recommend. Obviously, many of you have seen the ones I've talked about or some of the ones I've talked about, including The Last Dance, which everybody loves. The Ron Artest documentary on Showtime, for me, is the best. It's almost the way Agassi's book, Open, is like my favorite sports book of all time because it is just so unfiltered and so interesting and so readable and like engrossing and interesting. The Ron Artest documentary, it was almost like because he's had maybe these these mental health issues, it felt like he really was like, yeah, I'm producing this, but you go do it. I don't want this. It felt like he was almost unburdening himself. It was like, no, no. I want you to talk to everybody, put all their quotes in about the melee, about my upbringing. I love the Ron Artest documentary on Showtime. It starts with like this look at Queens and how Queens, where he came up, was so tough, but it also first birthed all these major hip-hop stars of the 90s, like major stars. And they interview some of them, and you get a flavor of like the the environment through that. And then you get to run our test story. And they there was a Melee documentary on ESPN, on, on Netflix. Cannot, like, and that was a full like hour and a half. Not nearly as good as the like 30 to 40 minutes that they spent on the Melee in the run our test documentary. So with all that, Pleasure with a major caveat I think is a good movie but I have tried to warn you as much as possible now there's some creeps out there who probably listen to this go when the wife goes to sleep I'm getting some fucking cookies some lotion and I'm watching pleasure well if that movie gets you off you have some issues um, yes I am kink shaming right now if you if your kink is watching the making of porn In a brutal way, you have some issues. Not afraid of condemning my own fans if they're too creepy. Um, Honk for Jesus, I'm in the middle on that one. You may like it more than me. I I don't say it's bad. I just say it was like, "Mm, it's okay. Overall. It like almost got me more interested in the beginning. And then by the end, I was like, well, you got an A on your midterm, but you got a C, a C minus on your final. So I give you a B minus final grade. And then the McEnroe one, I think you can skip. So go watch the, uh, go read Agassiz's book open. Go read Tim Miller's book. If I did, if why we did it, if I did it is the OJ book, I think why we did it by Tim Miller Open by Andre Agassiz. And if you have showtime the one i recommend above all the things i just talked about is the ron artest documentary. okay, this has been a very long episode, which is particularly rude because we're on vacation, a little mini vacation, but now I'm up to, to bust out the amex card for some meals and some fun time, so that's what we do in this world. We buy the happiness of those we hurt. So, thank you for listening guys. Go get go bookmark, go mark down when my shows are, go check out my patreon and thursday, better call trump. It's coming out and it's going to be awesome, and I would love to see it go viral if possible, but who knows if that's possible. So take care, hope you had a good Labor Day weekend, and uh, I will see you next Tuesday.